Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. This is John Massengill sitting in the studio. We got Les Kaiser at his home studio, and we just watched the epic ending to what was not a very exciting British Grand Prix in Formula One. Man, Les, what did you think about that finish? I loved it, loved it, loved it. Great, uh, like I said, absolutely great wrap-up to it. Uh, it was the tires going south. You know there's going to be discussions in Mercedes about those tires. That, uh, you know, but historically, Silverstone has been a difficult track with those. But, dude, uh, have it's you just something else? Have you ever seen a car win on three tires? Lewis Hamilton's tires were, I mean, they were delaminating with about a lap and a half to go. Of course, Botas is delaminated and he had to pit. But Hamilton's tires were going and they were so bad. By the time he crossed the finish line, he was dragging the front wing. There was no air in the tire, and it had stopped rotating more than once. I was I, what I was really hoping for is that it would come across the finish line, not rotating, just dragging the tire, and it essentially did that because what was he a couple hundred feet past the finish line when it actually did stop rotating? Yeah, yeah, it didn't take much after that. <laughs> and uh, you're right, epic, uh, epic imagery there <laughs> with uh, with all of that. Really a cool. Uh, finishing to see that come through the way it did. Uh, like I said, I started to say, historically, Silverstone has been tough on tires. Yeah. Uh, more and more so as it goes on. Some folks are questioning the recipe of the uh, resurfacing as it goes for the asphalt, but, but yeah. it is racing. There it is. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, you had Lewis Hamilton winning the race you know, with a flat tire. Botas drops from P2 to P11 with two laps to go because of a tire. What else? Oh, Carlos Sainz dropped from P4 to P13 on the final lap. I mean, there was so much going on. Let me just run down the, the, the order at the end. Lewis Hamilton wins the race on three tires. Max Verstappen comes in second and could have won the race, possibly, because he had a late pit stop that he didn't. I mean, he was having tire issues, you know, wear issues, but not delamination. So they he may have, you know, they may have cost them the win there. Charles Leclerc, somehow, some way, Ferrari ends up on the podium again this season. 
So you keep thinking that the car is not fast enough. So Leclerc in, in third, Daniel Ricciardo in fourth for the Renault team, and then Lando Norris. I think that's where he started the race, right? St- st- ends and finish. Uh, yeah. Esteban, Esteban Ocon for the other Renault car. So in sixth, Pierre Gasly. Look at that. Not bad for the AlphaTauri team. Alexander Albon, yeah. who had a crazy race because he and uh, Grosjean came together early on in the race. And we're going to talk a lot about more, a lot more about that, by the way. Uh, but he ends up in eighth place after uh, he set several fastest laps coming back through the grid because he was in the back of the grid. Lance Stroll holds on to ninth. Sebastian Vettel ends up in the points somehow. I thought he was not going to end up in the points. And then Botas in 11th and Carlos Sainz, Giovinazzi, Nicholas Tifi. Grosjean finishes the race in 16th, and Raikkonen was the last car to finish the race. So the cars that did not finish were Hulkenberg, who never got a chance to start. What a just a horrible story. And uh, Magnussen, who came together with Albon and, and ended the race. And then Kvyat, who had a, a pretty dramatic crash. Uh, I'm glad to see he's okay. And so those three cars did not finish. But, man, what a finish. You know, I was really th- sitting there thinking this race has – it's not been the worst race. It's no French Grand Prix from last year, but it's been a pretty boring race. But those last couple laps made it worth, you know, staying awake for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really did. You know, the first right off the thing is uh, the whole K-Mag Albon uh, situation there. Yeah. I looked at. That was at the start know, of the race, the first lap. Yeah. Yeah, that was lap one. K-Mag bumping off the curb and then going into Albon. Uh, he was out. I, I missed part of the the viewing there because it ultimately wound up coming back that Albon got five seconds for the penalty. We saw that served in the pit box. Yeah, I, I disagree with this call. You know I'm a big fan of the Haas F1 team, and but I disagree with this call because so what happened was Magnuson hit the curb on the uh, on the corner right before, so he was wide, right? He was way wide, and and Albon saw the opportunity to go in. And so he goes inside, and then uh, uh, Magnuson comes back in. And by that time, Magnuson, I mean, Albon is at least halfway uh, halfway up, halfway side by side. His his front left tire was at least equal with Magnuson. And, but, right. Magnuson but Magnuson just completely cut him off. And I, yeah, I was really surprised when they called that uh, against Albon, I, you know, because – he, I, you saw him hit the brakes, but so anyway, Albon ended up getting the penalty for that, and um, and Magnuson was out of the race because his car was completely damaged. He went airborne at that point, and that was a high speed corner. So, but but do you yeah, disagree with me? I think that that was Al- Magnuson's fault. I'm afraid it was. I am afraid it was Magnuson. Had I been sitting in the steward's seat, uh, that's probably the direction I would have gone. Uh, don't know how much damage you can uh, give to somebody that's out of the race, but uh, as far as points and penalty, but certainly that is, uh, I'm going to go with Magnuson on that. Sticking with Haas though, Grosjean's play, you know, we've, we've heard them, they've got to do something different in the racing strategies. Well, they certainly did in keeping Grosjean out on medium tires through the pit circle that everybody else went to hards, Grosjean stays out, and he actually winds up coming out in fifth place at yeah. the end of the pit cycle. Yeah, I that thought... was an interesting strategy to me because uh, I wasn't seeing the logic in it, to be quite honest. But hey, that's where they went. 
ultimately it didn't really change the the end of the story well coming in at 16. i saw the logic in it immediately i was like what do they have to lose they have absolutely nothing to lose the cars are going to end up at the back of the grid no matter what the cars you know unless a freak rainstorm or something you know way beyond the tires delaminating at the end so i figured what the heck and you realize that that Grosjean stayed in the points for a very, very long time. I mean, he was probably in the points uh, for, what, 25 laps? So, hey, let me give out the phone number in case anybody wants to call and join the show. We want to hear what you think of the amazing end to the British Grand Prix. It's 512-643-5483. But but back to Grosjean. Um, I I don't like the way he was driving today. I I really think that, you know, the way, so what happened was, Two times, Grosjean moved when someone was about to pass him because it, it was it was a little much. I mean, it, you know, when he did it one time. So what what happened was uh, Grosjean would, like you said, was up in the top five, and uh, and and two times he swerved at two different cars when they were about to pass him, and. I just, I thought, you know, this, and, and the first time they gave him, you know, they just said, they gave him a warning and said, um, you know, don't do that again, the black and white flag. But I, I don't know, Les, I just, I felt like that, you know, I, at one point I thought if he had moved just a little bit or something, he's just telling people, okay, look, you know, you're, it's not going to be easy to come around me, but I just disagree with it. What do you think? I agree. Uh, I think we're seeing some desperation there. It, uh, he definitely made more moves than I believe were legal, you know, calling back to the one move, one change of uh, direction in the braking zone. He seemed to do it. Uh, I'm going to say more than once. Uh, yeah. He did it to signs. Wrong. He did it to signs on lap 23. And then he did it again to Ricardo on lap 38. Yeah. Car- Ricardo called it out. That's kind of sketchy. Yep. Uh, it's in an area you have to realize that, because of this rule that's in there, and it's a safety rule, because of that rule, one driver, as he's closing in on a driver in front of him, is only expecting him to move one time. And so when they move that second time, it can become present a very dangerous situation. Yeah. At closing speed, moving in, you're already setting line, you're on your brakes, coming in. You've seen the, that driver ahead of you move one time then you expect they are set and they're headed on their line that you can now define your line, make adjustments accordingly because you're behind that person. Same thing would go for the person that came behind you. You can only move once with that car behind you. So uh, it's a safety measure as well as competitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a safety issue. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't agree. Uh, I've always being the American team, I've tried to defend, uh, you know, both Grosjean and, and Magnussen as often as I could, but I, I disagree with both of their moves today and, and both of both of, of Grosjean's two moves today. But, but man, what a, what an incredible final couple laps of this race! And, you know, Hamilton and Botas looked like they were just going to take the formation lap all the way through and went and win this thing. But so uh, Botas, of course, first to suffer his tire delaminated. And and then it and it went full on you know flat and costing him a second place, and uh, but did you also you know I saw that that uh, Carlos Sainz went from fourth to to thirteenth, but I missed how it happened. He also had a tire issue as well, 
So there, yeah, I I did see that. Actually, now that I think about it, but but like you said, Silverstone has got a history of that, and it's not surprising to see after you know, and, and it was warm all weekend. I don't think today was terribly fall, uh, terribly terribly warm, but I think that's part of the problems that you see. And you know, they did go a pretty good ways on those tires after all the the uh, yellow flags. But uh, but what else jumps out at you less? I mean, the, the, we talked about the Haas team and the, their issues today, but. Definitely the Haas team. There were a few things that went on. Uh, some of the things that came up with uh, the whole thing around Kvyat crashing on his own yeah. into the wall at Maggots. That was 13. Uh, to me, he showed some poor sportsmanship. Okay, so the, so the crashing was one. Uh, could be tire issue, could be you know any number of things around that taking him out. He took a pretty hard smack to the wall. He got up and walked out on his own, was walking to the ops car for his uh, return to the medical center, which is mandatory. But the thing that caught my attention, I'm looking at my notes, he walked by the camera and pushed the camera away from viewing him. Uh, I thought that was poor sportsmanlike conduct, for one, if we throw a flag on the football field. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I agree. A little bit, yeah. But, you know, the uh, the whole thing around that is that is the camera coverage is part of the fan base. Now more than ever this year, don't mess with the camera crew. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, I don't mind a little emotion in my drivers. And, you know, that that uh, that crash from from uh, Kvyat, I, I, it didn't look like it it was just kind of a weird spot right you don't see a car it was essentially a straight almost right where where he, where he lost it anyway right when he first lost traction so i just thought it was a weird spot but yeah i'll agree with you you don't want to be pushing the camera stuff around there's no doubt so uh, you know i know well, it's you know, we've been yeah. around him i know you guys had breakfast with him uh, i guess that was last year by now yeah it, down, down you know, at NASA. he is a nice guy Certainly yeah he's a he super nice guy i don't I, but you know he just he just he just left the race racetrack, so he's going to be not happy about it. Um, one of my favorite radio, in fact, my favorite radio trans, transmission of the race was when Verstappen. Basically, Verstappen was just kind of racing his own race. This was kind of mid mid race, and and he'd been just cruising along, nobody behind him, nobody in front of him, close. And he radios back to the mechanics. He says, "Remember to drink. Remember to drink." And he's just. <laughs> He's stay hydrated stay hydrated yeah stay hydrated anyway that was a good one too but but man what a great great finish to the race and some other good drives what about gasly's drive man finishing seventh gasly looked good yeah he came up strong was really moving on it uh albon was right on his heels challenging every chance he got that's exactly what i expected that's exactly what i wanted to see during the race were those two going at it because it's uh to me gasly uh really wanted to stick it back to albon on a career point of uh you got my seat last time here's why i deserve it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh what do you think about albon did he uh you know we we were talking in the pre-show that he could potentially you know it is red bull he could potentially lose his seat if he didn't have a good race do you think that he redeemed himself uh, I think he showed pretty well, uh, with the exception of the contact issues. But I think he showed pretty well. His driving skills there, we know it is. Uh, 
you know, this year, should we cut these guys any slack on emotions and the whole racing thing being turned upside down? Do we give them a little chill pill and time to get over this? <laughs> or do we count it just like every other racing season? I don't know. I think, uh, I think once you're on the racetrack going, I don't know how much of all of that affects anything, but Hey, but I'll disagree with you about Albon about uh, when you say the contact issues, you mean with Magnuson? I mean, right. I, I, I think that, that that wasn't his fault. And so I, I think he did a, a pretty good, had a pretty good race today. Let's in fact, I haven't looked to see if formula one has, you know, they do their driver of the day thing that they, they put out. I don't think they've announced the winner yet. Who would have you have picked? Um, you know, I was thinking, I was leaning towards Gasly. Um, Leclerc, you know, we've been talking about Leclerc, I mean, about how Ferrari, the car is just not that fast. And here he is again on the podium. And, how you know, what's the best way to... One of, what's one of the best ways to judge a race driver, right, is to is to judge, look at how they do against their teammate in the same hardware, and he's definitely outperformed Vettel again, but I don't know. I think I'm going to go with Gassy if I had to choose, but hey, Les, we got to take a quick break. We're at that spot in the show, so all right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, but stick with us. We'll be back after a quick break from our message. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. 
Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we're back from our break, from our messages. We, Les, we were talking about driver of the day. Who's yours? Uh, you know, uh, there's a guy that said he'd be happy if he got sixth. Well, he got fourth. He uh, did that point for the fence, called his shot, and made it uh, beyond. Daniel Ricardo's mine for today. I like that. I like that. That's good. I will not complain. Hey, let's uh, give out the phone number, 512-643-5483. Tell us who your driver of the day is, 512-643-5483. A couple of things. I want to thank the people who are watching on Facebook and YouTube, and we got our Twitter stream working on this show, so you can always watch us there. But also, I want to talk about something we're going to have later in the show, is we had Gunther Steiner on our uh, local Austin show last weekend, and uh, I think you mean, uh, I'm sorry, we had we had Bobby, <laughs> Bobby Epstein, not Gunther Steiner. We had Gunther Steiner on a few weeks ago, but we had Bobby Epstein, the chairman of Circuit of the Americas. And we're going to have some of those clips. It's a really interesting take and, and really um, very candid takes from Bobby. And I, I'm just glad that we had him on because, you know, we all knew that the race in Austin here was probably not going to happen but they officially announced it last week, and we had him on the show. So stay tuned for that later in the show. I want to talk about Max Verstappen. And earlier when we first came on and the race had just ended, I was talking about how Red Bull had pitted Max Verstappen earlier. It was only, what, about five laps to go, something like that? And right. Max, yeah, something like that. And Max was, and I was saying he could have won the race. But you know what? He also could have not finished the race because if his tires were going to do the same thing that the Mercedes car did, then he could have easily not finished the race. So I think that was probably the best call. It was a safe call. You ended up at second place. What do you think? Yeah, that was a good call on Max's. You know, I uh, got a question, maybe if he hadn't, and there's plenty of ifs, but uh, for a while there during the race when he was by himself, uh, the part where he was choking, I didn't feel like he was really pushing matters. Uh, had he not got so casual in that uh, that rocking chair seat there, he might have really applied the pressure on and had enough to catch Lewis. Is uh, is my thoughts? But there we go with what ifs. Mm, yeah. All right. I got to read this quote from Lewis Hamilton because uh, it's just so Lewis. He says, uh, talking about this last lap, coming in with a flat tire. You know, coming into the last half a lap, he said, down the straight, the tire deflated. And that was a heart in the mouth moment. I was praying to, I was just praying to get it around. He says, but I was really chilled at the end. <laughs> really? You were really chilled and you were coming across the finish line with one of your tires flat and not spinning. He said, also, he said, Bono was giving, uh, was giving me the info about Max Verstappen. He said, I've definitely never experienced something like that on the last lap. I don't think I've ever seen that in any racing as a car coming, winning with a flat tire. No, I can't say I've seen that. Uh... Uh, at this level it's really something else to uh to see the dynamic the dynamics play out there uh botas and hamilton the tire going so consistently on you know basically the same lap the same time all of that to me that uh, gives a lot of credit and how well those teams have those cars synchronized between the two yeah uh, i think that's going to be something that we continue to watch and we continue to grade one driver against the other as to how good they are. And obviously Mercedes has spectacular pairing of drivers right now. 
Yeah, you can't com- you cannot complain with Botas. Uh, I-, I think that he does his now. Now let's go back to something that happened during the race, right? Um, at the very beginning of the race, first of all, Hamilton did not have a good start, right? He had a really poor start, and Botas jumped out in front of him. And but but Botas led up there at that first corner, and I was uh, I-, I like what the uh, the guys in the BBC said. When that was live, they were like, that's where Nico Rosberg would have kept his foot in it and either kept the lead or both cars crashed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's one of those that uh, Botas plays a good second fiddle. You know what? And, also, uh, he gets paid well for it. Well, and you know, also speaking of Botas, on the so after the Magnuson Albon incident, we had the restart, right? And after that restart, Hamilton did the opposite. He had a great restart, and Hamilton, I mean, Botas kind of was caught sleeping. So, uh, you know, uh, not race affecting, but. Um, I, I'm i going to counter you on that. Okay. I don't know that Botas was actually caught sleeping. What was Think he doing the there? Was he giving his teammate? He, created. <laughs> he was what? Think of the defensive move he created. Yes. Okay. I, I'm the, I, that is, that's the only argument you have there. Second I, fiddle. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he was being a good teammate, right? Yeah. Uh, but that was right after that is when Kvyat hit the wall, man. I figured the uh, commentators were, were talking about it. They figured that's a 180 mile an hour spot. And it didn't look like it from some of the camera angles, but that's concrete that Kvyat hit back there. And he was probably doing 120 miles an hour when he hit. So I'd like to I'd like to uh, see if they ever said that that if that was suspension failure or not on on the uh, Williams. I don't think I ever saw. I was just looking at the Williams Twitter feed. Everybody was like, "What is going on?" All caps of the last couple of laps. But I never heard if that was or not. But um, uh, let's see. Just looking through my notes, I keep seeing the, the name Grosjean pop up. Not happy with the way he did. But what about when? Uh, when Latifi passed Raikkonen, that lap 33, I guess, how, where did he end up, Less, I don't recall. Let's see. Yeah, Latifi, Latifi was still quite a ways. Well, back. but he finished ahead of Grosjean. Yeah, Latifi finished ahead of Grosjean. Obviously, Raikkonen was the last driver that was operating at the end of the race. But, yeah. Right. I think Latifi is showing well. Uh, you know, certainly we want to see him do it. And uh, he's as close as American as we have here Uh Nicholas and uh, Stroll being Canadian neighbors. But uh, I think he's doing really well. I thought he was going to catch Antonio Giovinazzi a couple of times there. Uh, He looked like he had a strong charge on. I think Nicholas is going to, or I think we're going to see a continuous improvement out of Nicholas. And, And by that, I mean a strong improvement on it. I think he's really grabbing things. Unfortunately, he's in the Williams Mercedes, which uh, is not quite up to the pink panzer. But uh, I want to see him get there. Well, you saw that Russell had a good race. He finished 12th in the Williams, right right behind Valtteri Botas. He finished behind the Ferrari in the Mercedes. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel at, at 10 and Botas at 11. So, yeah, that's a good race for for, uh, for George Russell. No complaints there, I would imagine. Uh, let's see what else. Less from the race today. I, I wanted to uh, don't let me forget. I want to talk about that. You talk about Americans. I want to talk about our Formula Three Logan Sargent because he's doing well. But 
Um, the race today, you know, during the meat of the race, probably from between the after the two safety cars till that second to the last lap, there really was just not much going on. Uh, I do know that there's probably some records set. So because because Hamilton won his seventh, I believe. Yeah, he won his that is the seventh. Yeah, that's his, that's his seventh it's win. Also, uh, gosh, one hundredth pole, I believe. Uh, In, uh, I don't remember on the poll. I don't remember the, but, but yeah. So he also, that puts him 30 points in the lead with only four races in. So, uh, looking like Mercedes is, I mean, that, you know, if you look at this year right now, we've got, you know, officially 13 races and Hamilton and Mercedes are running away with it. So. I mean, look. Let's face it. The uh, without those, without the tire damage at the end, it would have been ugly. I mean, the fact that he could, you know, finish the the last lap, the last lap and a half, really with tire problems, and the la- half a lap with a flat tire and still win the race, that ought to tell you something about the point that position that Mercedes is in right now. Right. Uh, totally total dominance. You know, uh, we're anxious to see some changes to that and see what they can actually deliver. Uh, regarding the other teams, uh, you know, we said in the pre-race show that I've had folks, you know, recently talk about their board with Formula One and seeing Hamilton out front all the time. Well, you know, people say it and they kind of slag on Hamilton or, well, it's not his fault and it's not Mercedes' fault. They're always out front. It's uh, somebody else for not bringing a solid competitive challenge all the time. Uh, we have people pop up there once in a while, but unfortunately, uh, Nobody is consistently there. We looked at Red Bull. We looked for for Ferrari to be there, but and it's still not there. Still not there. I'm watching a last lap uh, replay of Hamilton, and you know, long before the tire went, you know, completely flat, uh, it was it delaminated right, and so it was losing air. And he went. I don't know how much of that final lap with parts dragging and sparks and smoke and everything before the tire finally just went completely flat. That was, I think it was almost three quarters of the lap. He uh, went with down pressure on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was crazy. All right, so let's talk about our Haas boys. We we both, I think we agree that it was not their best race. But any uh, any hope for the rest of the season for the Haas F1 team? You know, next week's going to present the same thing. Still at Silverstone, and so that's a uh, survival method there hopefully uh kevin doesn't get booted out of the race in the first lap but uh honestly next week's just going to be another painful race that uh, i think they're going to have to just survive things that they'll work on braking seems to be good for them they're you know realize not to uh, don't make direct eye contact with them but we (laughs) haven't heard a lot of brake issues with hospitals right now so that was a major hurdle for them uh, to get over off season all right well let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk a little more of the british grand prix we'll also have bobby epstein the interview we did with him chairman of circuit of the americas we'll have some of that as well listen to speed city live from austin back after these messages
When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project Moto GP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24 7 at motivationusa.com. That's motivationusa.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hey, this is Tony Stewart. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. We are breaking down the British Grand Prix in Formula One and probably one of the most amazing last laps and craziest finishes by a car with only three tires. And if you want to call and join the conversation, numbers 512-643-5483. And we have a gentleman on the phone. We have George from Virginia. Hey, George, welcome back to the show. Um, good morning, gentlemen. Great to be back. Sorry I'm later than usual. I was on LinkedIn I'm looking for jobs at Haas. You know, tire <laughs> management. So uh, I'm going right. for it. I have, I have no background in it, but I'm going for it. <laughs> Hey, if you need we're with you, George. <laughs> yeah, not a great day for the Haas team, right? No, it wasn't. But it's crazy because I saw Grosjean was seventh for a while, and I got happy, even though Magnuson got booted off. But, I mean, he literally just slid down a grid. I don't know if that was um, – I just caught that when it was just um, people jumping in pits or whatever. But I thought he was strong, um, at least for a few laps. But, you know, reality took over. I mean, there's a phrase used in F1 a lot, and, I mean, it's, it's almost inevitable. They have a crap car. Yeah, they're, they're lucky to have even had the opportunity to even try for that. And it was a big gamble, George. They, You know, what happened was Grosjean didn't pit. So everybody pitted, and Grosjean was fifth for a little while. And he stayed between fifth and, I guess, ninth for probably 20 laps. And... But his tires went, and he had to pit. And when he pitted, he went to the back of the grid and stayed there. I have, I have a crazy idea on Haas. Just hear me for a second, guys. I know this is unprecedented, you know. Would a move down to Formula 2 work yeah. for a while for them to sort of just gain traction and, you know, fill the gaps where they're losing? There may be a move back up, or life doesn't work like that in F1. I got a better idea. I think no, because – Gene Haas has said from day one that 
this is all about exposure for him, and you're not going to get the exposure in Formula 2. How about this, though, George? I'll take your idea and run with it. What if they, um, you know, put have more involvement in Formula 2, you know? I think I think somehow that might make sense, but I don't think leaving Formula 1 would achieve the goals that Gene has set out. I mean, and look, look how much exposure they're getting. Uh, Gunther Steiner is the star of the F1 Drive to Survive Netflix series, so... And and arguably, that's been the best thing that F1 has ever done to try to grow the sport in the United States, at least in modern era right now. It's it's probably been the best thing they've ever done besides having Toto here. But, but yeah, I, I don't think they want to leave Formula One. Well, I know you got to go. But one last thing, America, at the end of the day, we don't like losers. That's and true. I want, I, want, I want Haas to win. And it's not like minority – lovable losers, you know, it's sort of, yeah, there's incompetence gaps that we're seeing. But again, incredible, born race, incredible finish, and guys, keep doing what you do. All right, George, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening, man. Yeah, I uh, I just don't think it was a great day for the Haas team on, on any level, really. The, well, actually, I'm going to take that back. I love the gamble. I love the fact that they decided to take the gamble just because they really didn't have anything to lose, why not? Let's let's do it and and give it a shot. No, I'm with you on that. And I said I didn't really understand it. The the timing of it, the way it was going to play out, they were not going to be able to finish the race on the tire that they stretched out. That is why I say I don't understand why they went that far. To me, it wasn't within a, a window that I thought they were going to be able to stretch and finish it. And thus they you were just seeing what was essentially a false placement on track that they would drift back through the field as they did, as the pit cycles were completed, as the fresher, better tires came out and passed them up, and as theirs degraded and, and went through their life cycle. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's why I'd say I, I didn't understand it. I felt like the timing was off. You know, at, at one point, I thought, because Grosjean was holding his own on the lap times. You know, that's one thing about Grosjean is that he is fast. And many times he has outqualified, had better lap times in Magnuson, and he has been fast. And he was holding his own there. At one point I thought, you know what, could they possibly hang on to points? I think there was probably – I think Grosjean pitted with about 15 laps to go or something like that. Uh, but, but I thought he might be able to hold on to it. But, hey, I just saw something here, an interesting – Excuse me, an interesting comment from Botas. Botas said that his tire puncture happened so suddenly that he couldn't predict it. He thought that, I mean, it just came out of the blue. He said it, it was just, um, he, it, it didn't get any warning. He didn't realize it was going to become that, that bad because he had that vibration, right? You remember that vibration probably was going on for a few laps, but I don't know if they identified that specifically as a tire. Do you did you hear that on the on the uh, any of the radio stuff? I don't think they identified it as a tire. No, it never got clearly identified as a tire. There was certainly suspicion that it was, and so uh, that's something that'll be interesting. You know, on the topic of tires, this week there at Silverstone, they're going to be running the 2021 compounds on Friday. That's in right. Tire testing. And so it's one of the seasonal tire tests that they do as they look towards the next season. Well, I think we're in for, uh, they're going to get a lot of data between this race and this Friday's tire testing uh, for Pirelli. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, we do have back-to-back Silverstone here. 
And it's not going to be called the British Grand Prix. It's going to be called the 70th, 70th anniversary. So, but it's at Silverstone again, at which, hey, that worked out pretty good for us in Austria. So I'm okay with that. But with the tire strategy, um, that could change it up. But also remember, it's Silverstone. It could be pouring down rain. We don't know what could happen. So, you know, it's, it, I, I, I don't mind back to back at Silverstone. I think that has the potential to do, um, to be a very different race. And to uh, and to to be some good racing. I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. It's going to be a good one. Uh, let's see. What about that? I'm I'm just perusing the the post race Twitter and things like that. And and uh, I think most people are agreeing with me. But I'm here's a here's a little story about the stewards penalizing Aldon for an unusual move for Magnuson after the crash. Um. Huh. I, I'm going to dig in a little bit more about that, but but um, as far as the overall race, I mean, there was enough to keep you keep you going in the middle of it. It wasn't a great race, right? I mean, there was a, a few things happening. I mean, we definitely had the safety cars going on. Uh, one of my favorite things about Formula One being an American, I love the way they the words when they do it when they're investigating something. They go uh, noted. We've noted that, and then we're going to decide later. You know, this is as an American, and we're used to our American sports. Like in the NFL, if you have a penalty, so you so they go to commercial or whatever, and that's about the most time the officials are going to get. You get, you know, now you know during the the game. So I, I want faster decisions, and I hate these post race decisions that we have dealt with recently. But but uh, but anyway, do you? Uh, do you agree with me, Les? Do you think that this, this that the way that the, uh, the penalties are handed down or could be a little handled a little differently? Absolutely, I'd like to see it. You know, uh, I don't like you know reviewed after the race comments. I don't like anything that isn't you know quick appraisal and responded there. Well, of course they've got to continue to watch the race for whatever else is happening. So that's uh, that's something that is different for this sport than our American sports. Hey, speaking of uh, instant news, just picked up on a quote from Sebastian Vettel. The result was very poor. The car was very difficult to drive. I struggled a lot to find my confidence and I don't know why. It was not a very, or it was not a very stressful race. I just didn't have a chance. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, his teammates seem to do okay with the, with the Ferrari. That's precisely my point is I think uh, Charles Leclerc would say something very different. Let me see if I can find out what he says. I love this tweet from, yeah. from the Williams racing team. This was right after the race, right? They, they put, they started with two confirm and said, they, we think we finished 12th and 15th, but we're, but we're hundred, we're not a hundred percent sure amidst all the mayhem. I'm staring at the producer. Oh, no. Oh, mayhem. <laughs> I can't believe I actually had to wait five seconds for that mayhem. He's usually got his finger on the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he can't believe I called for it. I didn't really, but, oh, man. But I, I'm just, uh, I'm ex uh, excited to the fact the way that race finished. And I'm looking at a picture of Hamilton's tire as he's heading towards Park for May, and it's completely flat. You know, one side really looks like a square is what it looks like. Oh, 
All right, well, hey, let's go ahead and take a break because I want to, when we come back, I want to play some clips from our interview with the chairman of Circuit of the Americas, Bobby Epstein, because we had him on our local show last week. So we'll hear from that after a break. You listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gale from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are basking in the last two laps of the Formula One British Grand Prix, but... We're going to shift gears, and we're going to talk about the United States Grand Prix. The 2020 Formula One Grand Prix was canceled last week, and we called up Circuit of the Americas and got in touch with Bobby Epstein, who's the chairman, and had him give us a call and and uh, discussed it on our local Austin show last week. And it was really uh, it was it was good insight from Bobby because he he sounded pretty, you know, like this was. This was not a big surprise. And in fact, I think this this first clip I have is just talking about, you know, he knew this cancellation was coming and and uh, it was not a big surprise. Let's hear from Bobby. Yeah, it's not it was no surprise. And in fact, uh, when I saw Chase in I actually saw him in February and he was talking about the Chinese Grand Prix being potentially postponed at that time. And we talked about what happens if it spreads and could this be a, a tough year all around? And sure enough. That's obviously what happened, but we kind of knew a couple months ago this would be likely. Yeah, he was talking about Chase Carey, who was talking to the uh, CEO of Formula One. Yeah, Les, we all knew here in Austin. You know, we've seen everything from South by Southwest canceled, and every you know ACL, and and it's just gotten worse and worse in Austin. The virus, and so it, there's just it no is. way it could have happened. So yeah. It is. And, you know, you think of it financially for Formula One. Uh, Austin is the only race that's absolutely in a permanent facility that's not used as street at some point. Uh, 
the financial portion of them getting here for one or two races is good, but Mexico City is a street race. Not likely that they're going to have multiple. It's not controllable to keep spectators out. Things like that are some of the aspects that I was listening to. Uh, someone that was apparently closer to Formula One's FI uh, decision-making process was saying that uh, the control around a non-spectator spectator event and disrupting uh, disru the disruptions that COVID brings to it. Well, speaking of the dissolved. speaking of the economics of canceling an F1 race, this next clip I want to play from Bobby is talking about that exactly and how that you know how that affected them and what was leading up to that. So let's hear from Bobby Epstein again. Well, a big part of it is you know, the economics are certainly one of them. Not not just on our from our side, but you're you're spending. You know, more than $5 million to bring the freight over just to, to bring the show. And then you've got people from all over the world that you've got to keep a schedule, right? If you have another race a week or two later, and if there's an outbreak, uh, you certainly can't afford to have people get stuck, equipment get stuck because of customs. The logistics behind it are what make it really impossible from that, the, you know, sort of the behind the scenes and the just the, the sheer organization of it. The, the risk we didn't want to run into is what happened in Australia, which was the first race that attempted to happen they got called off sort of the day of or the day before the race and you'd already spent uh, many millions of dollars preparing the venue for the event and the people are there and they're ready to go and uh and then all of a sudden it's canceled so that's rough mm. yeah and i want to go straight into this next clip because he talks about how they were preparing you know he talked about you know spending money ahead of time but um he talked about a big increase for deposits that they had already taken. So let's hear again, Chairman of Circuit of the Americas, Bobby Epstein. Well, the headline said ticket sales. We actually never put the tickets on sale. Uh, what we had, what they were, were they were deposits, and we often take deposit before even a pre-sale. Mm -hmm. And you know, I go back to year one where the PSL the C licenses went on sale and they went crazy uh, before we ever put tickets on sale. And this is the closest thing we have to that. And we had people putting down deposits. We were up almost 300% actually in terms of people that said, I want to get my seats next year. I don't want to take a chance on, on missing out. So we, we certainly were excited about uh, what the numbers were going to be for this year. Yeah, you know, that was actually widely misreported until we until we had Bobby on our show is that uh, I saw ma every major website was reporting that they had ticket sales, but they were deposits. But less, I think that goes to a bigger thing. You and I have seen it because we've been on the ground here literally since the moment Formula One was announced here in our city. We've seen what's been going on in the city and how the city's embraced it, but uh, but really just how it's become entrenched. It has become a part of uh, of the city, of the state, of the United States. I mean, you, you know, lots of people tweeting and and uh and everything else saying that they you know they're going to really miss it this is going to be the first time in five years or whatever however many years they've been coming so you know it it really has they they achieved the goal you know the positive uh certainly we all none of us like missing out on the sgp it was the right i right decision but i'll say also that one positive that we definitely get out of it is you know three times the commitments and deposits for tickets. That's a big change in business. Any one of us would like to have that in our business. And so uh, to me, that's a positive. Now, what that also does, in my view, is we're coming up on contract 
time for CODA completing their original agreement with uh, Formula One management. And so I think that's going to play out. I'm anxious to see how that plays out. We heard a little bit from Bobby on that. Well, we have we have that clip queued up. And in fact, Jonathan Green asked him exactly that. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't really expect an answer here, but I love uh, what Bobby said. Let's let's hear that. We've just had the announcement of three new races. Does this put you maybe in a better negotiating position with Liberty for, you know, for, for future contracts, given that we're going to have to miss this race, but you'll want to come back strong next year? Sure, I'll take that view, Jonathan. We'll, take the, <laughs> we'll, take, we'll look at it as, a, as an opportunity. Yeah, I think, it's, I think we're in a good, good position just from the standpoint of the way the event's built and, and grown and the way it's become sort of a tradition for a lot of people, and it, it really has some staying power. And... I, I love how the community's gotten behind it. At first, there was a lot of hesitance, and now I think it's pretty well embraced by the city, and that helps add to the event. <laughs> I love the way Bobby was laughing because, <laughs> you know, as we know, when Liberty Media bought Formula One, a lot of the existing contracts that, you know, because Bernie Ecclestone's method was you get the, uh, you know, you either get the governments or whoever to put up the big, big dollars. And not not that that uh, Liberty doesn't uh, isn't sticking to the contracts they've got, but on any of the new contracts they've talked about, they've been a little different. They've been a little more open to other ideas. So, yeah, that 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 would be that will be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, Les, I can't even imagine that Liberty Media not not wanting this race to happen at the, at a nice, consistent purpose-built place like Circuit of the Americas. So, you know, Bobby's got a little bit of leverage now, something he's not used to having, you know, with, when negotiating with uh, with Bernie Ecclestone, especially back in the early days. But but he's got a little bit of leverage now. You know, he's got a, a really popular event. I mean, they're, they've been consistently, these last few years, they've had, since they've had the big giant names of Taylor Swift and Timberlake and everybody else, they've been fourth, third, fourth, fifth largest event on the calendar, you know, with 250, 260,000 people over a weekend. So he's got a little bit of leverage. And just the fact that they they want to grow the sport like every every decade, they think, how can we get the, the audience in the United States to grow? Well, it's happening right now. And the, and the ESPN numbers prove it out. So I think Bobby's got a little bit of leverage there. I think he does too. Plus, I think also there's a benefit to uh, Chase Carey and the team at Liberty Media, uh, realizing that they need partners, uh, you know, that uh, they view the venues differently, I believe, than Bernie did. I feel like Bernie looked at the venues almost as spectators themselves in the way that he managed things. And that if you wanna be part of this, you've gotta pay an astronomical figure to, to be a host. I like what we've heard of other contracts around Liberty Media's control where they allowed or they created a scenario that lets the venue and Formula One management Liberty Media put on a great event and we share the outcome of it. I think that's really going to bode well and honestly get into a position more venues will be able to participate. All right. Well, I want to play another clip from the chairman of Circuit of the Americas, Bobby Epstein. He talks about the 2021 calendar. You know, there's been a little bit of rumors about moving some dates. Let's hear from Bobby on that. 
I, nothing firm. I mean, I think there's been more speculation than anything. We like our slot. We like the end of the end of October, beginning of uh, November. Actually, I like the end of October even better than the beginning of November. But uh, I think we like that. I think that's an important place for us on the calendar. And I think it's important that an event, once it's established, gets to have a consistent time throughout the year. People can put it on their calendar into it and look forward to it. So I don't see us changing. Yeah, I want. I loved when they were in the middle of November early because there's no chance of it being hot and crazy, or less chance, I should say, because it has been a little bit warm. I mean, Austin in November is just one of those magical times a year. It's perfect here. But I want to play. I want to go straight into another clip because Bobby talks about what to expect after this virus being the rest of this year and what to expect in 2021. So let's hear again from Bobby Epstein. Well, I think it's more about health and wellness and safety than it is about sport. And so we've got to just hope as a pandemic passes in terms of things we can do and, and ways to relate to the community. We found out with that food drive that people can safely distance and stay in their cars. And so we're going to try and do a, a holiday light show that's going to be very unique. It's the drive through experience that we'll try and do something just to bring people out and, again, keep them and remind them that we're out there and that that, that we want to be a part of of the community and a part of the city and and uh and beyond that we'll just get our schedule ready for next spring and hope that that we can give it a run and and pack in more things next year than we've ever had in the past and we've got and i say that from both the the concert standpoint but also uh, and most importantly from the racing standpoint i think we'll see more events than we've ever ever done before you know Les, one thing i really when we interviewed bobby last week i i noticed that he was he really seemed um super knowledgeable for one because i remember in the early days he is really engaged now like i I don't i don't mean that as a dig at all because um i know that it was a really exciting time when they first opened circuit of the americas but man he is he's obviously a smart guy he's fully engaged with the sport he understands a lot of the nuance now and i think that it, it all of that bodes well for circuit of the americas you know you you know, in any racetrack, there there seems to always be some uncertainty, especially when in a time like this where it's uncertainty for everybody. But, but man, Bobby really seemed fully engaged. But, hey, we're almost out of time, but we are basking in the glow of an amazing race at at uh, Silverstone today for the British Grand Prix because the finish was, I mean, really, that was maybe one of the best finishes in Formula One history. I can say that because it's not many times when the driver comes across the finish line with three tires functioning dragging his car on the ground and wins the race. So I'm just hoping for more because we've got Silverstone again next week, and you can hear the race here with us. So just go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, to find out all the details on that. We do our pre-race show and our post-race show before every and before and after every Formula One race. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thanks for George calling in, and we will talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.